In this episode of The Interface, I chat with Eric Tyson, Senior RF Engineer for Amphenol Antenna Solutions in France. Eric has been with Amphenol since 2013. We talk about his eclectic work background, from horticulture, to a chocolate making factory, to eventually the antenna industry. We talk about learning about antennas without any formal education. We talk about moving to Thailand for work and falling in love with the country. We talk about some of the 5G design challenges, and we briefly chat about how Amphenol Antenna Solutions has dealt with the COVID-19 outbreak. This is The Interface. Eric, how long have you been with Amphenol? Uh, with Amphenol since uh, 2013, August uh, 2013. What was your history as far as growing up and getting into the RF industry and the antenna industry? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of uh, things that happened as you got into school and engineering and all that stuff. But how did you? How did this no, no. whole process start? Well, I, I actually I didn't uh, do any uh, any schooling uh, for it. I uh, I did horticultural college and worked as a landscaper for uh, for about five years. Um, then uh, sort of realized that well, you, to make it in a landscaping business, you have to own a, a company, which that's that's not really my thing. Um, and if you don't, then you just risk uh, like breaking your back before you're 40 uh, or something. Didn't want that either. So then I just uh, went to a production job in a chocolate factory and did that for five years. Uh, I progressed quite a bit in the, in the flash form. And, and stuff. I mean, I've always liked the technical aspects of things, so there was a lot of technical uh, stuff in there. Then I met a, an English girl and moved to England uh, to try that out. Did some gardening there, some, some odd job, uh, chefing and uh, uh, name it. When that didn't work out with, with my girlfriend, I basically I, I had enough, so I wanted to move back to the UK, uh, to uh, to Holland. Uh, my passport had expired, so I had to find another job, uh, which was the closest job to that, and that was an antenna factory, uh, Allen Big. Uh, they, they were reasonably big on the same size as uh, as J Beam in, in the past. I started as a solder, then went to testing. Uh, on test, um, they uh, they moved me to the R and D side of that. Uh, so there's a lot of R and D testing. Then they opened up a factory in Thailand. Then me there, I was the only one that was single and and, and young. So I sent me there first for a couple of weeks, uh, but in the end uh, they they wanted me there uh, to run the test department. And that quickly moved to uh, R and D again because they uh, they couldn't find engineers in uh, in Thailand. Not not skilled engineers, not with a lot of experience. That progressed from there. Then Alan Dick uh, wanted to uh, do away with their antenna business, so uh, my manager did a management buyout went on under a new name. AOM is really quite small. Together with a colleague, it was English as well, but we went back after about half a year. So then I was alone. Um, well, I had some contacts in the business uh, that we worked with, and that's what I learned it all from. Well, that was in about three minutes. Maybe the entire podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you did the the Cliff Notes version of the career of Eric Tyson and how you got from studying horticulture to getting into, yeah. you know, high tech antenna design and starting to dabble in five G and and all that. So, what was yeah. it when? So you started in horticulture. I find that fascinating that you yeah. that's where you started and then you get to where you are now. What was it about horticulture initially when you were younger that you thought, I, I, I really enjoy, I potentially can enjoy this field? Well, both my parents are biologists, 
and uh, we had a house in a in a, a farmer's village, mm-hmm. the large garden. So it was always uh, biology things and then gardening and uh, that, that was vegetables. So the, the farmer's gardening or uh, or horticulture. It was quite close to uh, the horticultural center of uh, of Europe. That's uh, that's Moscow. So they had a, a college there. And I'm, I wasn't very good in math and, and stuff, but physics and then biology, that sort of stuff. But math, I've, I've, I've never, never been able to, to, to do it in my head in Excel. I'm fine with it now. But it did look like a good choice to, to do, but uh, it was uh, close by. And it was, it was my hobby, more or less. So yeah, why don't make your hobby uh, into a job, isn't it? Sure. Is it so- yeah. something that you still dabble in in your, in your personal life? Not. Uh, I have got a garden at the moment. Uh, I've got a small apartment in uh, in a really nice village. But, um, we've just got a very small balcony uh, on the south side, and it's, it's not very good for a very few who get the water one day, then everything would be dead. But, yeah. Um, but I still have a house in uh, in, in in Thailand. So, yeah, we lived there uh, 13 years. Uh, oh, really? Got a, a nice bit of garden. Yeah, that's got a nice bit of garden around it. So when you first got into the antenna market and the in the RF industry, I guess as a whole, at first I'm sure it must have been kind of a whirlwind. But where you finally said, you know what, I think I understand this now, and I can see how I can be an asset to a company in antenna design and, and helping out with solutions. How long did that take? In in England, I think I was in England. I was just for one and a half years. Um, that, yeah, that that was up to the, the, the testing uh, level R and D testing. Um, so you, you get the basic um, uh, things about an antenna, not not how to construct them, but uh, how they how they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but that was fairly easy. Um, the, the the thing I always notice in production in in England and but then in, in Thailand as well is that when something came from R and D. So in, into production, there, there were always still, uh, still issues with it. I had to do a lot of tuning, and um, I was quite good at that. But I always thought, well, why, why not get it on production in a, in a functioning state? It, 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 it shouldn't be uh, up to production to make my of working. It will already be working. You just verify that it works by testing it. Um, so that drove me a bit to uh, to find out more about it. So I started doing little uh, little projects to improve um, antennas, get them uh, approved by uh, by engineering, and then after the management buyout, really, uh, I I had to. I, I wanted to stay in Thailand. I uh, I got a Thai wife. Um, it would be uh, it would be really difficult to move back to Europe. So yeah, made a real effort to uh, to understand. Uh, the, the critical parts. Yeah. Uh, learn to work with the software because uh, that's that's quite critical these uh, these days. And that actually, uh, it, it wasn't magic, you know. It's 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 physics. It's uh, so there are rules to things. You stick to the rules, and uh, you get somewhere. And uh, um, it's uh, two two years, I think. And then I, I felt actually quite confident mm-hmm. in in doing things. When you said you did little projects to improve antennas, so what what would what would an example of one of those be where you had an idea and you tried to prove it out to to improve the antenna or an antenna? Well, I, I think the benefits of working on production is uh, or in production test is that you get larger quantities of uh, product through your hands, so it becomes easier to see certain trends 
and say, hey, this works on that antenna, it works on another type antenna, this is a similar thing. You know, research a little bit what the type, because you, you don't know all the aspects from the beginning. But then through, through time, you, you, you know, so like, you can do this, you can't do that. Uh, so you just say, so right, okay, you have to come to an antenna. It's, it's all about power divisions. And uh, so, so you get a, so you inject a signal uh, to the connector, and then the energy is uh, spread through the antenna through power dividers, PCBs or, or airlines. And if there's something not correct uh, with them, and we have certain parameters that aren't uh, passing in there. So start to update them. In the beginning, that's just, you know, behind the solder, uh, copper strips to them. Uh, but in the, the, the next phase, you, you start learning to work with the uh, software to simulate them. You just make better power dividers and those into an antenna, and then, uh, you know, you see the yield improve on uh, production. That's, that's basically it. I mean, uh, after that, you uh, get the radiating elements for the dipole. That's, uh, that's different. Um, that's that's a few years uh, further down the line. For me, there are two aspects to an uh, You've got the, the the front side and and the back side. Um, the back side is where you uh, guide the energy from the connector to the different radiating elements or passive uh, devices at the back of the antenna. So that's that's with power dividers, phase shifters, uh, maybe. The front side of the antenna is the dipole, and they they are two very different aspects of uh, of an antenna. Um, You've got different software for, that, for, for the power divisions. It's, it's reasonably easy as software, and it's got optimization functions as well. So it, it, it helps you uh, reach a good uh, result with that. The, the front side, uh, it's, it's, it's 3D. It's, you know, it's, it's radiation. It's, it's not something you can see. Um, you, you've got to develop a real feel for that. That's, uh, that, that takes longer. When you were with your previous company, you said that you went to Thailand. You were young, you didn't have a family yet, uh, and you yeah. were probably the right person to go at the time. Did you know anything about Thailand, or had you ever been there before? No, no, it was completely new. <laughs> and honestly, the, the, the first time uh, I was there, it's, uh, it's, it's not a culture shock. I wasn't really shocked, but it is, it is quite, uh, quite an impression, uh, because it's, it's the other side of the world. Everything is so different. Um, Philosophy of the people is different as well. The, yeah, there, the, 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 um, there's, there's loads and loads of advertising, a bit Japanese, I suppose, with, with neon and, and, and big mm -hmm. billboards, and, and you don't have that in Europe at all. Right. Uh, it's loud. There are motorbikes everywhere. Yeah. Uh, temples, and it's, it's it's such a different world. Yeah. What? And and the language, it's it's a completely different language. I'm I'm, I'm not bad at languages, and in, in Europe, I, every every language is somehow linked to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, it, but it's 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 a completely different language. So you you've got no entrance to to anything. You can't read the signs. You can't uh, hear anything on the radio. You can't talk to people. That's different. How long did it take before you were good at? You know, comprehending and and being able to communicate with the locals. Uh, again, I think about two years, because um, <laughs> yeah. I think the, the the first thing you always learn in a language, are probably the numbers one to ten. Yeah, and that that builds all the other numbers, and so then you start hearing phone numbers on the radio. That's the only thing you understand. Oh, that must be a phone number. The little sentences you use in a in a, in a shop to buy something uh, to, to to get things you need to live. Um, and then on the 
the, the, the shop floor in the factory. Mm-hmm. Well, what I did, I had a little notebook with me and I would write down the words that I wanted to know and use. Then look them up in the evening in a book. I had a really good book uh, for it. Uh, and then the next day, try to use those words. So you start to uh, to build up a, a bit of vocabulary. And then after a year, I think, all of a sudden you reach a stage, a stage where you can really make small sentences and, and, and converse with somebody. And after that, it really takes off. Because if you converse, you, know, you, you get feedback uh, and you learn more and more and more. And then in, in, in about two years, I, I wouldn't say... I'm fluent at all, but right, right. Uh, I, I can certainly get around in Thailand, uh, getting done what I want to do, uh, both with people yeah, on a professional level in the, in the factory, uh, to make them understand what I want done or understand what they need. That's uh, that's yeah. What is it about Thailand and the Thai culture that was so intriguing and attractive to you? It's it's a very open country. It's it's it's, it's very welcoming. Uh, you know, you don't always have that in uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in a lot of countries in Europe, but they uh, they they quite easily um, take you into their in your community. Yeah, even if your uh, your level of communication isn't that good yet, then once once you can converse, it, it was I just always was out on the street. Yeah, the, the the life in Thailand is almost big. You only sleep in the, in your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people eat outside in the evening. They sit outside and and, and chat with each other. Uh, you can drink a bit. I I like that. It's a bit, I mean, it's got the good climate for it as well. But sure, you no, know, it's it's um, obviously the, the the Buddhism is very interwoven in, in the culture, but but it's not um, it, it's not very religious. It's not not tying people to uh, to, to something. That, so they're very free in, in what they do, and they in general just. You know, are, are very kind people. So this, I didn't see aggression. I didn't see uh, yeah. envy. That sort of thing. They they were very nice people. They took very good care of themselves as well, physically, and uh, because it's it's precious. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Thailand is quite rich now. This was uh, well almost twenty years ago now. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was a lot of poverty then, yeah? and the people that work in, in the factory, they are they are not high earners. Mm-hmm. But they, um, uh, they they take very good care of themselves, and, uh, and they're very proud people. And it was uh, it was just very pleasant to live with them. But uh, I still I still miss that. So I'll make the big jump then back to to Europe, and eventually you get to Amphenol in 2013, and you work for yeah. Amphenol and Tennis Solutions. So that's quite the segue going from. Thailand to <laughs> to Amphenol, but we're going to do it yeah, anyhow. There's, 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 a, there's a link uh, there. Um, after the management buyout, and um, we were the, the smaller company. We, we still had a reasonably big factory, uh, but it, uh, uh, it, it wasn't one of the, the bigger players in the, in, in, in the world. Um, but we had um, contact with Jeffrey, Jeffrey Liu, who was uh, the division manager uh, a few years ago in uh, uh, but he was he was still working on sales, and he actually lived in Holland. So we sort of created a bit of a, uh, a bond only when he was there, but it's, uh, because he spoke, spoke a little bit of Dutch. So that was once or twice a year that he was uh, there. And in 2011, we had the the floods in Thailand. Uh, so our our area was was completely flooded. Our factory was under three meters of water because it was a lower lying uh, area next to the river. Mm. Um, so we were out of business for uh, for about two months. Wasn't insured, so basically we lost uh, a lot of equipment and um, 
had to lay everybody off and just continued with, well, maybe 10 people in a, in a different location, very small, doing motion engineering work. We worked with another company in, in the United States, Intel. But it, 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 we lost too much. You, you can't just get everything uh, back again. And then we got into contact with Jeffrey, who had then progressed to be a manager of the antenna division. And my uh, my boss tried to sell off the company or or, or do, do do something commercial uh, with, with Jeffrey, but he wasn't interested in that. But he uh, he was interested in uh, in our skills. So he uh, he proposed that we would come and work for Amphenol. Initially, that would be in Asia. But when we had the uh, final interviews, uh, it was with somebody else uh, from um, the factory here in uh, in France, and he said, "So look, I I, I certainly got a job in, in France for you." But we had to think about that for a little bit because uh, I'm good with languages, but French wasn't the best one of them. But they uh, they did a good offer, so then you make uh, make up your mind, isn't it? It was um, it was difficult to come stay in in Thailand. Uh, you need to uh, think about a, a longer term plan. Well, we accepted that. And, uh, together with a colleague, I, I moved here in uh, in 2013. That was, yeah. So, what were you? What was your role when you started at uh, AAS in France? I took more or less, not really the lead, because you work in a team. But uh, because of my experience with uh, other titles, we added uh, the the new band. So in 2013, uh, the the LTE was very hot. Uh, 2.6 gigahertz band and uh, 700 megahertz band. We, uh, we added that to the existing antennas. That, that wasn't easy because uh, each each company, I suppose, each antenna company has their own uh, culture and tradition of, of, of work. So you, you need to learn uh, to work with uh, the existing materials. You already have the sort of philosophy in, in antenna design. So you, you do your first antenna with uh, those materials. And then, uh, again, you, you build confidence because you... Uh, you see the results. So that was quite quite a complex antenna, uh, but they are all complex now. But when when I started with antennas, so in, in uh, 20 years back, um, there were single bands, maybe a dual band, but then both quite narrow bands. And now we do antennas that are uh, 1.3 gigahertz uh, in bandwidth. So with one one type of dipole, that is that is quite impressive. Um, that's that's very difficult to. Uh, uh, to attain, and then on top of that, it, it all needs to be incorporated in one antenna. So you've, you've got six, seven antennas in uh, in one. That that requires a lot of tuning on the elements. Uh, there are so many so many parameters in an antenna that, that are affected by by interaction between different bands, and uh, it's, uh, it's it's a lot of testing, a lot of trying. Um, and you don't do this in, in software anymore. This this is really in, uh, in the physical world. Uh, so I think that that took a good. Well, almost a year, I suppose, to, uh, to to get that done. But then from that, you build uh, to, to, to the next generation antennas again. So. We're now really on the precipice of 5G around the world. Uh, and again, in, in varying uh, levels uh, in different areas of the, the world. But can you talk a little bit about what that innovation has been like for antenna design and some of the, some of the projects that you've been working on? Completely new band. It's in the, in the, the three and a half gigahertz. Uh, now everything is uh, is uh, comes down to um, to physics in, in in antennas. It's all about the size, yeah, the the wavelength of uh, a certain frequency. So for the 3.5, it's higher in frequency. Everything is a lot smaller. You can't just combine it with the existing uh, antenna. So right. for us at the, at the moment, uh, we're working on uh, on, on the 
5G yeah, stuff. The, the, the 5G stuff is, is a completely new concept. It, it, it really works differently from uh, the antennas we do uh, at the moment. They're, they're more passive. Yeah? We can do the beam steering. We can tilt with antennas. With the 5G, the idea is that you uh, use one antenna to, to scan a whole uh, field, a whole sector in front of you, and then direct the beam there at the right uh, power levels and very, very uh, quick switching different beams to uh, to, to, to basically uh, connect the whole sector in front of you what, what, with the multiple antennas in the, in the past. That's that's new for us. We, we really need to uh, develop new components to uh, to do that. It's not uh, on, in, in the past. Yeah, since, since I've been with Antimo in 2013, we've used certain technologies that in 2013 were already well, well developed and they, they could be reused. You just have to rescale it maybe a bit for, uh, for different frequencies. But for, uh, for 5G, uh, everything is new. So uh, we need new eyeballs, new feeding uh, networks, new phase shifters. We do that in, in, in a small team and everybody's got... Um, uh, a dedicated function uh, in that, I suppose, with uh, their own professional level, and that's uh, that's uh, well, we're we're close to um, to prototyping now, so that's uh, an interesting phase. Because up to now, uh, a lot of it has been in, in simulation. It's always good to see uh, a first prototype roll out, put the measurements on it, see if uh, if you've achieved what uh, what you set out for. As being part of Amphenol and just the vast resources that are then afforded to you, uh, because of all the different interconnect products that they make, including for antennas. How much has that helped you since 2013? And then as a, you know, as a direct result as well, as you get into this 5G technology, how much has being a part of Amphenol with its wide breadth of products, again, across the spectrum helped you? Uh, I think that was one of the real things I leaned on when I made the choice to, uh, to move to Amphenol, because the, uh, the year before that in, in Thailand, uh, I had to Work things out myself and uh, on the internet. Uh, I have some connections, um, but sometimes you just, you know, you have a problem and, and you can't solve it, and you don't have the resources or uh, the, the a database of information to, uh, to work with. So I was really hoping moving to uh, to Amphenol would uh, would open up um, a library of, of, of knowledge that I, that I could build on, and then that I can, I can, I can contribute to that as well. And that, that, that has worked. Obviously, it's with, uh, with uh, people directly in, in our team here in France. Uh, we've got fairly good uh, connections with uh, the team in Conover. Conover works for, for, for their market. We work for our, uh, our market. But mm -hmm. you've got technologies you can, uh, can share. And the, the Dipole that I'm working on now uh, was initially uh, uh, developed for, uh, for a different band in, uh, in, uh, in America, in Conover. Mm -hmm. And we've we've taken that design on, on on board and done some new things uh, with it uh, to, uh, to really you know to, to do our part of our project. But if, if if you have to start from scratch every time, project times would, would just be so much longer. So it's it's, it's good to uh, to be able to uh, use the resources that are available. In you know, you have an interesting career trajectory so far, from horticulture to a chocolate factory to antenna design and development. I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't, if I didn't ask how, you know, as we're in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, I mean, you're in France, so it's, they just started easing some of the restrictions there, but how has that affected your, your business and, and the things that you do with your, with your peers in France over the last couple of months? Uh, it's, it's interesting because it, it's, it's not only 
just uh, the last two months, it's about what, what's going to happen in the next uh, half year and, uh, if, if we actually you know, get to deal with it. The, our, our team uh, has been mostly working uh, from home, which is uh, it's, it's quite doable. We obviously, uh, when we go to prototyping, you, you need to be uh, on site uh, because that's the physical world. But uh, up to now, it's been, been all right to work from home. The factory has uh, scaled down. Uh, because of the, the the social distancing, so you, you can only allow a certain number of people inside, um, which has mostly been uh, been uh, people on uh, on test from uh, small production uh, lines. Um, they've uh, they've started now again. Well, Eric, again, thank you very much for doing this today. Um, I wish you and the family and uh, everyone at AAS there in France and, and in other areas uh, the best of luck during this time, and um, hopefully we'll talk again soon. That would be nice, yeah. Well, you're welcome. And I'll pass on to the rest of the team.